my friends finish the birthday song. A fragrant cake sits in front of me upon the table. I close my eyes and blow out the candles, wishing to get my little butt spanked in front of an audience comprised of locusts, feral rats, sexually repressed frogs, and Twitter liberals who believe that Hillary would have bombed Syria with just a little more class. curator and an art advisor with my own company, James Company Contemporary Art Projects. And I advise and put together collections and exhibitions for hotels and corporations and also nonprofits. Both my parents were creative people, even though they worked, my father was a lawyer, my mother was a nurse, but they were both incredibly creative. I was raised in Westchester County, outside of New York City. So we were always in the city and going to the Metropolitan Museum and Museum of Modern Art. Art books were always around the house. My father was a painter on the weekends. Um, and I was an artist. I actually studied painting in college. I kept going to all the other artist studios and saying, oh, that's beautiful work. Tell me about what you're doing. And I think I could sell that for you. And we should put that in an exhibition. And then I realized I shouldn't be an artist. I should be an arts professional and help people to get their artwork out into the world. Hotels are community places, so having artwork in hotels reflects their local communities. It's also very aspirational, um, meaning hotels, I think, offer lifestyle feeling and or luxury feeling, and you can't really have that without some kind of artwork. I mean, it's expected now. Art is it's a communicative tool. It's about communication. It's about passion. I always say architecture and design are more about the structure, a practical structure. And artwork is more about the soul of a place. I want your soul. I will eat your soul. I want your soul. I will eat your soul. Come to daddy. Come to daddy. Can you even imagine the absolute pathos required to be the type of person who hops on Twitter this weekend and screams impotently into the void in order to point out that Donald Trump said mission accomplished just like George W. Bush did? The myopic perspective needed to believe that this occurred to you, to only you, and that you simply must broadcast your searingly hot take to the world, boggles the mind. I am embarrassed on your behalf. Anyways, welcome back to another episode of the Humor and the Abject Podcast, you uncuffing season screedlers. This is Stefan Lee, the podcast studio manager. On this week's episode, we have a couple of screedlers who put art into hotel rooms. Let's turn it over to your host, Sean J. Patrick Carney.
I'm Ira Glass. Welcome to Jackass. It's episode 57 of the Humor in the Abject podcast. I'm your host, Sean J. Patrick Carney. And let me just kick things off by saying, Happy birthday That's right, April 15th, baby. It's my birthday, the day that Lincoln technically died, the day that the Titanic technically sunk, tax day when it's not on a weekend, the day of the Boston Marathon bombing, the day that Edward Gorey, Jean-Paul Sartre, Joey Ramone, and Pol Pot died, but it's also the day that I was born, as are luminaries like Leonardo da Vinci and Seth Rogen. Wow, am I right? A uh, quick item of business. You're all invited to come out to an evening at Kickstarter on Thursday, April 26th, that will feature performances, talks, installations, plus food and drinks with several of the artists from the Drip platform. Friend of the podcast, uh, Molly Soda, is going to be there, as well as Peter Burr and a bunch of other friendly faces. Darcy Wilder, Ezekwe Mohammed, and I will be doing a live DSA podcast around 7 p.m. That's right. Open to the public. Those are usually behind the fucking drip paywall but we're giving it to you live and free uh i'm putting the rsvp link in the episode description so you can join us uh free to attend totally free to attend Um, my guests this week are the collaborative artist duo loni abrams and johnny stanish many of you will recognize them as the co-founders of the exhibition project hotel art or hotelart.us or hotel art us depending on who's saying it out loud uh, hotel art is known for putting on shows in sex motels, <laughs> Airbnb rentals, bank ATM lobbies, uh, minivans and stadium parking lots and many other strange contexts for the presentation of art. It was an honor having them over to talk about the project, plus a bit about their collaborative studio practice. You, dear Screedlers, can catch the next hotel art show at the Hotel Art Pavilion which is a mass-manufactured shed located in the backyard of Loney and Johnny's apartment in Brooklyn, on Saturday, April 28th. It's a two-person exhibition featuring Adriana Ramich and Micah Shipa, and Loney and Johnny's work is going to be on view in upcoming group exhibitions at uh, such venues as American Medium, 315 Gallery, Alyssa Davis Gallery, as well as a show in Helsinki curated by friend of the pod, Andrea McGinty, a.k.a. at Life Creep. Uh, shout out to the Finnish Screedlers. Anybody from Helsinki listening to this? If so, uh, hit me up. I'll, I don't know, I'll say your name on an episode or something. Uh, all right, let's get to chewing. Here's my conversation with Loni Abrams and Johnny Stanish. Johnny, welcome to Humor the Abject. This is the earliest in terms of day that I've recorded an episode yet. Are you both morning people? No. We are. Or I am. <laughs> I am. I'm not at all. Yeah. Johnny's like, Johnny's one of those people who, when he wakes up in the morning, he literally like outstretches his arms and is like, ah. Oh, really? You don't do <laughs> the snooze? Ready to start the day. No, I don't, I'm kind of just like, get up at 6.30, start the day, get it done, you know? Dang, that's good. I, yeah. I get up a couple times a week around six. Well, Claire gets Oof. up and goes to class. So I get up and 
I just get up because it's like, well, this is an excuse to wake up and then feels kind of good. But um, but yeah, I used to sleep in real late. Yeah, Loney's I don't a sleeper. Rem- I don't actually remember this ever happening, but apparently Johnny says every single morning he can hear me wake up and I take a big breath in and then just go, no. <laughs> yeah, you whine. Do you do, do snooze? <laughs> so upset. Do you hit oh, the snooze? Oh, of course. I snooze like Ten six times. Ten times. Yeah, I don't know. That's good. About an hour. Yeah. And just like every single time it goes off, just kind of whimper and whine a little bit. Just so upset. Yeah. So upset to be conscious. I'm uh, guilty of hitting the snooze. Love to hit the snooze. Sure. Usually set it quite a bit earlier than I need to get up. Now, mm-hmm. we've known each other for a few years now, but the yeah. three of us share a rather interesting accidental history that I haven't had with any previous guests, which is that we lived in the exact same room in Bed-Stuy. Mm-hmm. But at different times. Different times. I lived there right after you, right? Yep. Yeah. Would have been a little weird if it was the same time. It was a small room. (laughs) I'm surprised surprised there were two of you in there. Sean slept under the bed. (laughs) (laughs) I slept in the, uh, what's the, the chute between the buildings where you get your extra window kind of thing. On like a a hammock outside (laughs) that was hanging from that. Um, How long have you both been in New York City? Mm, Since 2011. yeah. Okay. Yeah, we, a while. We both came here pretty much at the same time to go to Pratt. So we were in school together. Yeah. Which is how we met. You met in school. In and where school. did you both come from, respectively? Uh, originally, I'm from Montana, but I came Woo! here. Whereabouts? Grew up in Billings, Montana. Billings, cool. Grew up on a little ranch, and then my mom kind of moved to the suburbs. And then went to school in Missoula, then moved to Portland, Oregon for a while. I was kind of looking for a change. Never been in New York, so I bought a one-way ticket. Here I still am, seven <laughs> years later. I've heard several people say that they just came someplace and then didn't, decided just not to leave. Kind of. I don't know if it's bold. a decision <laughs> you just or get, a trap. You're like, yeah. also, it's very difficult to leave. <laughs> you yeah. can even get to the airport. Uh, what about you, Lenny? Uh, I moved here from New Orleans. I had gone. I grew up in Boston, went to undergrad in Colorado, moved to New Orleans, was there for four years maybe and then moved here wow we've all been all over the place Mm -hmm. that's kind of fun i like to i like to tell people that i've lived in besides like i guess alaska and hawaii i've lived in like every part of the united states did the southwest the northwest the northeast the south the midwest oh yeah done it all so how long have you been here now uh five yeah five years 2013 is when i moved here so a little bit after you all yeah i'm still your junior on the pecking order of (laughs) of new york (laughs) yeah we actually we remember when we first met each other which was like so you know like in schools they'll do like cheesy like meet and greets like when you start off or whatever and nobody like really goes but pratt's like notoriously terrible at giving student loans out money in time so Mm -hmm. like all the poor kids who like were waiting for their student loan checks heard about this like free pizza oh yeah yeah. like meet and greet so there were like six of us out of the entire like class that ended up going get free pizza was it like a distribution thing where like you start school and they're like oh actually the loans aren't released for like three more weeks but they don't really explain that to you before you start college oh absolutely we were all like amazing yeah it was terrible we had just moved to new york like we couldn't get (laughs) we weren't getting jobs really like none of us had any money and it was like a month before we got any yeah i remember there was some point i was working at the print shop at pratt and it was right when we first got here and i was 
out of socks and I had to use rags in the print shop and, <laughs> and use rubber bands. It was that bad. That's cool. Yeah, they had that. Cool. They had that issue at, when I worked at PNCA. It was like that. And I remember it happened to me when I was in school too. Sure. Where like school started and I was like, I have, um, I I'm, I'm undertaking really stupid debt. Can I have my money? so that i can you know yeah. spend it on my rent and other irresponsible things like groceries but yeah. they were like oh no it's not distributed for this and then i remember years and years and years as i worked there i would always try to tell all the students that were coming in that was that were in like the program that i was in i was like you are not going to get your money until like yeah. mid-september mm-hmm. so just like do not think that because i that i was just like waiting for the money and then it didn't come and i was like well fuck me i totally. guess like yeah. i don't have any money and you have to start your studio practice and you're like maybe i'll just do performance (laughs) well that's i feel like that's why every grad student is like i'm gonna just use found objects yeah yeah yeah. you know i'm gonna just dig through the trash and make trash art yeah my practice is actually walking from pratt to the city every day that's i walk from pratt's uh Bedsty campus to its Manhattan campus to Pratt Hatton is what I like to call it. Wearing rags on my feet. That's part of the performance. (laughs) Then you show the rags. It'd be like a shroud of Turin of Johnny's feet (laughs) imprinted on them. Oh man. Um, Now, can I say this on the air? You two are a a couple romantically. We're We're married. married. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Woo! I think it's my first. I had uh, Catherine Cohn and Stephen Marco, who are comedians, who are a couple. Sure. I always like to see if. I can ask it, but you guys are married, which is a whole different level. Yeah. Married. Um, Should we high five on that? Yeah, five. yeah. Woo! Too longevity. Yeah. Did you? Sure. Where'd you get married? Uh, Hamptons. Hamptons. On the beach. On the beach. Shit. Summer yeah. wedding. Summer yeah. wedding. It <gasps> was pretty nice. Yeah. That's fucking swanky. Yeah. yeah. Like, I mean, it was very a... intimate and like just close family, so yeah. it wasn't you know a huge party on the beach with all of our friends, unfortunately. Yeah. No friends allowed. But it was still amazing and. I have a bunch of friends who've been getting married and they throw like a party beforehand or just people get together that, or that later. That was our and then... plan to do a party afterwards yeah. and then we just like Life forgot. happened. Yeah. I mean, I think <laughs> well, it's... Well, then we had yeah. like a bunch of Other hotel things, in yeah. the backyard and it's like kind of, sure. you know, it'd be all the same people anyway. Did you meet in school then? Yeah, we met yeah. at school. Pratt. And when did you start working collaboratively together? Because you do, a, you have a collaborative studio practice, but also a curatorial practice. Sure. When did that, uh, did the... Did the crush beget the collaboration or vice versa? I think it was around the same time. I mean, we were around each other in the studios all the time, and it was kind of like me and her were some of the only people that were always constantly there. I mean, I was living there half the time. <laughs> so it was we got really close in that regards, and then we I think we started collaborating on hotel art. We came up with like the idea and what we were going to do, and then through that we got really close, and... I fell in love with my best friend, I guess, is pretty much what happened, you know? Oh, yeah. That precious. Yeah, that so it's sweet. one of those stories. <clears throat> um, and I think a lot of the people who listen to this probably already know about hotel art just because the art world is small and things like that. Sure. But for somebody who's not familiar, since we've referenced it a couple times, can you just kind of outline what hotel mm-hmm. art is in a nutshell and kind of how the conversation around it started? Yeah. Sure. So while we were at Pratt, we were feeling kind of isolated or just in our little like school bubble and wanted to be a little bit more involved in um the scene in new york so we wanted to curate shows we knew that but obviously like we we weren't about to like drop thousands of dollars on like a storefront you know space um so in order to to curate shows we just figured we'd rent hotel rooms airbnbs things like that that we could kind of rent out just for even a few hours 
put up a show just long enough to really take photos of it, mm. put it online, and then kind of call it a day. Um, and so we started doing that in 2012, did that for a few years. Um, and eventually we kind of, kind of became, it was a little anticlimactic. I mean, we were getting, you know, people were looking at it online, but we're just kind of sitting at home. Like, you know, yeah. we put, we push like publish yeah. mm-hmm. and they just kind of look at each other and like high five and yeah. call it a day and order seamless, order seamless and fight about like what to put on Netflix. Yeah. <laughs> um, so without any openings, it was kind of really hard to actually know like who our audience was and interact with people and kind of like get to know our, our audience and our artists in a, in a more intimate way. So yeah. then just last spring, we moved to Brooklyn. We had been living in the Rockaways for a little while. And when we moved back, we specifically looked for a place that had a big backyard, big enough that we could build like a freestanding gallery space mm-hmm. in the yard. Yeah. And when I say freestanding gallery space, I literally just mean a storage shed uh from Home, big box retailer, yeah. ready made gallery, With pay some, a one time fee, exactly. and kind of oh, like the like the sheet metal or whatever kind of thing. Like, no, that actually, was in like the backyard. We tore that down. It's part of yeah, particle board. You know, I mean, it was you know a thousand dollar shed, yeah, yeah. wood, <laughs> cool. And then we, I think, put a bunch we, of drywall in yeah, and drywall nice lighting. Lights. It looks, I mean, in photos, like it looks like a gallery. It yeah. look inside, it looks like a gallery, but. Sure. Now, so now we can have openings. Um, yeah. So about once a month, we'll have a show, uh, as long as it's not too cold. And we've been doing two two person shows. Um, we've never really worked with the same artist twice, so yeah. we're always like looking for new artists and pairing. Since we started this, what we're calling now the pavilion, this mm-hmm. like shed space, um, we've been pairing artists who have never worked together before. Um, and because it's a two-person show and like a really small space, it often becomes like the sort of collaborative thing, which has been really cool to see. Yeah. Did it seem weird from the outset, like with the idea of hotel art, that eventually now that you have, like, would would you, the two of you in 2012 look at that and be like, "You fucking sellouts! Probably. You got Probably. a shed? <laughs> Fuck you!" <laughs> no, I think yeah. But, I mean, but you solved a but you solved like kind of an interesting problem though, which is the idea of I mean, because it seems to me like having read interviews and seen a lot of the work and knowing you guys that the idea of hotel art was basically like, it's totally untenable to try to operate a physical space. Mm-hmm. If you want to do stuff that's experimental and God bless the people who just go for it or create a giant collective sure. that all rent a space or something. But we know that it's not like a sustainable thing in mm-hmm. any capacity, yeah. but to kind of do something that skirts around that idea or plays with it and acknowledges that like documentation is where people see the work anyways. Yeah. Um, and then ultimately it's like, well, we're going to have a physical space, but it's just going to be this shed in the backyard. Sure. It's yeah. kind of like you solve the problem. You don't use a room up in your house. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You're not paying extra rent on it, et cetera. Yeah. It's like already there. It's mm-hmm. kind of like a pragmatic solution yeah. to yeah. the questions that it was posing. It seems mm-hmm. like, I think in the beginning, maybe it was even more, it was less about, because it was already a given, like, it wasn't like, should we open a gallery or do hotel art? Like, there was never a decision. There was never an option to do that. Mm -hmm. I think we were almost more interested in thinking about how we could push documentation to be kind of like a medium in its own right, in a way. Um, So we were also thinking about, like, okay, if, if these, like, images of work online is really the main way most people see art, now how can we play with that a little bit so like we weren't always just taking straight 
fancy photos. Mm-hmm. We were playing around too with like, okay, this show we're actually not going to document with photos. We're going to document with like by making a video mm-hmm. or this is going to be sort of like this this video that's live streamed on well it was periscope back then i don't even yeah, think yeah. like instagram had video then um you know or yeah. we're gonna kind of like some shows maybe aren't anywhere at all and it's literally just like like zoe field show it was like her just kind of like gallivanting around mm-hmm. taking photos and it became this sort of like photo essay where you know then it's like okay is it that's kind of like where like the photo really is just the piece. Yeah. Um, and when it started, were you doing the idea was kind of that you would have the show, it would exist temporarily, whether it was for a few hours or what mm-hmm. have you, you'd shoot documentation, then you'd present the documentation in like a IRL gallery space. Yeah. And so people would come and see that, which is sort of like, a, I mean, cause I feel like around as I'm reflecting on it around the time that you're starting this 2012, 2013, yeah. that's when all of a sudden, um, I mean, it's like the kind of contemporary art daily, like heyday when that's when everybody started accessing this stuff, the things are blown out. Mm -hmm. Like the images are really like high contrast, white bleached out background and these things. And it's like, I mean, I didn't really feel one way or the other about it, but people had pretty strong responses. And I remember like critics in particular sort of just being like, nobody knows how to make an object anymore. It's literally just for this photograph. And, um, but kind of fun to just play with that. Mm -hmm. I mean, it reminds me of like, I don't know. I mean, it's in, it's in kind of, concert with like josh citarella's approach or mm-hmm, something sure. where it's just like i'm creating these sculptures just strictly to have a photograph as a document yeah. or something but mm-hmm. um and then i mean i like the idea that that uh the way documentation happened evolved and changed a bunch and mm-hmm. what was you guys did one with keith in la right yeah mm-hmm. with keith verity mm-hmm. yeah and that was like um disposable camera document or how yeah. did that work can you talk about that a little bit that, just because uh, I love Keith. Yeah, Keith's great. I mean, we've been friends <laughs> with Keith. Talk about Keith. Actually, Keith hosted the first show we had, which was at Bushwick Hotel, which is like a sex motel in Bushwick. Documented the show there, but then hosted the images at his studio space, which was called, I think, Picture Plane then. Okay. And or Picture Like menu? the band? No, I think picture. I think picture plane's a band. Yeah. Picture yeah. Menu. Sorry, Keith. Picture menu. Wrong, but it's it's right? been a while. Keith would, something like that. Keith would call some horseshit <laughs> picture menu. I don't or something know. Like that. Something. Then he'd read a fucking poem about it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. Yeah. The name of it is actually like a stanza. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like and then he would sit and sort of, and then he kind of like look up at you with those like pursed kind of selfie lips, <laughs> just yeah. proud of himself, and take a sip of a beer and look back sure. down and start reading, not caring if anybody's. <laughs> Oh, I love that boy. Yeah. But what yeah. was the... It was in so, a parking lot at like a so, stadium? Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. So, that we did at Dodger Stadium in the park. So, the whole idea... We've been talking to Keith for months leading up to this, mm-hmm. that we were going to have a tailgate party. Uh-huh. So, it was kind of a way to do the site-specific photo shoot thing, but also have people come um, and have a kind of like opening slash like tailgate party, which mm-hmm. is also... Like, I've never been to a tailgate party, but, like, of yeah. course I know exactly what that entails. It's just an art opening for sports. Pretty exactly. much. Yeah. <laughs> Except they have, they have better food. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Lots of meat. <laughs> so, anyway, so we, like, planned this whole thing. And then literally, like, day of, we realized that um, tailgating is actually illegal at Dodger Stadium. Yeah. Because, like, five years prior, oh, somebody had gotten, just like, in shot and killed in Whoa, the parking lot okay. during... <laughs> 
a tailgate sure. party. And so like there's literally just like security cops on Whoa. segways like going around the parking to lot make sure making that sure nobody's, that nobody's yeah. partying. Was it an actual game day? It was. Yeah. Oh wow. It was so they're like definitely looking. Yeah. For they're people definitely shit. looking. Totally. But you know what? <laughs> so it's it not worked like what out. I remember. Somehow it uh, worked, worked out. out where like granted it's like LA so not that many people like go to openings. Yeah. It was probably like 15 people maybe. Mm-hmm. Um so, yeah, we kind of set up, like, we had two parking lots. We brought two cars. I think we just, like, paid, like, the whatever, eight bucks for parking or whatever mm-hmm. it is for two parking spots. Set up the exhibition just, like, on the cars, around in the parking lot, whatever. People came, and we, yeah, we had we each had, like, a few disposable cameras, and we were taking pictures of, obviously, the work, but also just, like, the phenomenon that is, like, yeah. baseball in L.A. and, yeah, yeah. you know, that whole but thing, we did. So. The cops did come and tell us to leave eventually, and Keith kind of tried to like talk his way out of it. Of course he did. Of course they were like, "Leave, yeah. get out of here, kids." <laughs> Keith just like walking like, right up to him, like in a trunk, and they're like, "What's going on?" <laughs> he just like outstretches his hand, like Keith Ferrari, nice to meet you. <laughs> he totally did. Yeah. yeah, full name. Oh my god. Um, what did what happened with the documentation from that show? Then does it just those exist basically as like scans? Yeah, online? he just mm-hmm. scanned them all and. Well, I think now when you get, when you drop that stuff off at like Walgreens, they don't even give you the prints. They just give you like. They give you like a, a, a CD, CD or something, right? I think so. And it was like expensive to, to yeah, I'm develop sure. all those. I think prices went up. Did I say Keith's last name wrong? How do you say uh, it? I don't know. Verity, Verity. I say oh, Verity, but I don't I'm just going to start saying Verde. <laughs> Verde like, yeah, like, cool. like, yeah, like Keith Green. It's one of those names where I'm just like, "Fuck off!" I've never heard it said out loud. (laughs) Sorry. Oh my god, wait. (laughs) I swear to God, Johnny, like nine out of ten times when he says your name, accidentally says Sean Connery. Yeah, that's fine. That's cool. Part of how I that used to be that was pretty. That happened a lot when I was a kid, and then I think Sean Connery just wasn't as famous or something. But it was also like I grew up in Northern Michigan, where like no one. Had ever seen a name that wasn't like Justin or Rusty? Sure. So all my teachers would just be like, "Seen," and I was like, "Are you fucking kidding? Seen? <laughs> Come on!" Like, there's a very fa- my name looks like Sean Connery. He's an extremely famous actor. Yeah. I was like, "You've seen that name?" Yeah. But no, that was like, a, yeah, it's fine. Sharni Carney also works. Ooh, I've gotten that like before. That. <laughs> um, well, that's cool. Uh, I think that one of the things that I'm interested in, we've kind of touched on this a little bit, is that the conversations that you all were raising early on with Hotel Art are only becoming like increasingly germane as we mm-hmm. see all of mm-hmm. these galleries closing or places like, I mean, we don't have to get into this, but I don't know, like if you saw this week that like Postmasters has a Patreon now. Really? Like, it, so there's these like, everybody's trying to figure out like, oh my God, sure. what are we gonna do? Yeah. And it seems like the the idea of Hotel Art from the beginning was kind of like, well, if we do it this way, we have creative control and we don't mm-hmm. have to worry about selling work to cover overhead. Um, and I'm just curious if you have any thoughts on just kind of like is is New York or Brooklyn in general, are we just uh, irrevocably fucked in terms of like the future <laughs> of art spaces? Yes. I, I mean, mean, probably, unfortunately. <laughs> I think the thing, well, also Hotel Art was nice because it didn't have to be New York specific. Like yeah. doing the thing in LA, we did something in China with someone, Berlin. So we've been able to collaborate easily with other people and not even have to like go to those areas they can document the show themselves i mean we've been pretty wrapped up in organizing these shows in in pavilion in this shed mm-hmm. and but we're still really excited about doing off-site shows so yeah. i think basically what we're saying is just like 
focusing on on doing some kind of like bigger events yeah. off-site events that mm-hmm. can we can bring people to so like the other day i'd found you can rent the jersey shore house i don't know if you saw Whoa. the post no it's really expensive it's like 3500 dollars a night or something okay. but it's it's they've left it the exact same of how it was in the <laughs> show and i was like oh it'd be amazing to have a group summer group show there yeah, but yeah. do the whole house so like the whole house has you know I don't know, 40 artists in it or something. So everyone can Good come out to the Jersey Shore. Yeah, 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 and like maybe Snooki <laughs> can make an appearance or some <laughs> stupid shit. And then maybe that night everyone could go to Karma at, after party, which would be part of their whole oh kind of ideal and subculture. <laughs> yeah, so Let's I think, it. I mean, that's a total joke and that won't happen. Probably not, maybe. But we have done shows in like, you know, Bank of America ATM festivals. And I think sometimes those were the most successful for us, like trying to put on a weird show in an area that like we can conceptually kind of talk about. Mm -hmm. Um, It's funny, though, because that now is so commonplace. Sure. Like so many people are doing these sort of offsite shows in weird places. Yeah, and I'm sure part of it has to do with, I think there was also like just like a collective unconscious thing around the same time, but I'm sure also that people have seen the documentation from hotel art and that people are sort of thinking, oh, wait, you could, you can yeah. do mm-hmm. that. And it really does live in this documentation. And if you're just kind of upfront about that, and you're like, we're doing this so that we have these great photos of this work and these people mm-hmm. did make stuff, but it's for a different context. It's not <clears throat> meant to sit here for six weeks and like, yeah. I don't know, especially if you're a young person and you don't live in New York or Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. Like, that's an exciting prospect, right? I mean, yeah. kids yeah. and that was a huge thing in Chicago, like apartment shows. Yeah. Um, when I was living Definitely in, not new. When I was living in Portland, people were doing really weird programs that happened in like on like a playground. Mm-hmm. And it was really just to go and document the stuff where they'd go yeah. out to like the dunes or something mm-hmm. and shoot an art show and call it an art show. Mm-hmm. Or even the American Medium kids. Yep. I mean, they started as their garage appendix mm-hmm. uh, mm-hmm. on like off Alberta in Northeast Portland. Yeah. And so it's interesting to see how these things kind of like move and move forward. And I think it's too interesting to think about how, even if something starts with a critical angle to like address something, it's fine if it evolves and turns into yeah. something else, because if it can be a type of solution to the problem that it's addressing, then yeah. like, fuck yeah. Totally. You know, like that's, <laughs> that's what we were hoping. I mean, we were only sometimes hoping if you get that. good at something, it's cool to like use it yeah. positively. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, and it can great. be a little problematic, I think. Yeah. It, it, it has gone a little overboard, but that's fine. Like, that's what you want, right? Is to sure. like have as many people contributing as much as possible to what we're, you know, mm-hmm. to like the art community. Yeah. Um, And now there's context for people to be able to do it pretty easily and for like, the rest of us, like the audience to be like, okay, yeah, I get that. Yeah. Because when we, when we started, it was like so confusing for people. Yeah. People yeah. like show and up we would at the try, hotel or something. Yeah, probably. totally. <laughs> like our first one, people showed up at the Bushwick hotel yeah. and like, you know, tr- we're trying to like speak to the people who to like book a room talking about some art show. Oh, yeah. It was just, you know, Don't and, and people would get really like upset too. When we said, when we would say, you know, we're just making these shows to be viewed online. It's just documentation. We see, just look at documentation anyway. And people get really upset and they're like, so you're saying that it's the same thing to see an image of something online oh, that it God. is to see in person? It's really yeah. funny. That's only like six years ago. And that conversation yeah. seems pointless at it's this point. It's totally, totally like, pointless. I think it's it's just understood. Like yeah. you can photograph something well mm-hmm. and be creating culture in your town in 
Iowa and have people in like San Francisco or Mexico City mm-hmm. or Berlin or right. Beijing. All these places they can see it and access sure. it. And like, I don't know. That's kind of neat. Totally. Like, that's Definitely. pretty great for younger people. And also, I think it's, uh, I don't know. I mean, I don't want to discourage anybody from following their dream or something, but it does seem at this point like, if you're an art student and you graduate from a, like a state school, let's say in another state or something mm. like that, it might be worth considering, like, especially if you have like student loan debt, like living someplace that's cheap yeah. and trying to create some stuff before you go and try to like jump into New York or something like that, mm-hmm. because you could create a really interesting program. And sure, if you want to move to New York later, then that's wonderful and go for it. But also maybe you'll find that, oh, I don't actually have to pay twelve hundred dollars a month in overhead to live yeah. in like a pillbox i can have this entire other thing and uh people can access it i mean there's all these interesting spaces that are in yeah. different spots like mm-hmm. uh what's it mcginty and uh ben dowell just did a show in uh oh, wyoming uh, oh yeah in like yeah. jackson hole yeah. mm-hmm. holiday forever holiday i think forever, it's called yeah. mm-hmm. but that's like i mean what the fuck that sounds like idyllic i would love to go do a show there well because then you go skiing the next day it's like a whole like thing you know it's like a little uh little vacay yeah totally it's like fun to do show like obviously from somebody who's outside new york they'd be like don't like take for granted like doing a show in new york or something like that but at the Mm. same time it's like who gives a shit Mm. like (laughs) it's like you just sort of do it well i feel like that's why like a place in jackson hole wyoming like we can all know about because it's like the only place that's doing sure. something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like the small fish in a big pond thing. Yeah, yeah. Like if they were in New York, we probably wouldn't be talking about them. Right. Yeah. But they can also like work with, I feel like you could live in a place like that and you could put something together and work to like raise just a teeny bit of money to like bring people out mm-hmm. to do stuff. Mm-hmm. And then it's kind of like, Oh, we've sort of like, yeah, you can do something really interesting and not that you wouldn't want to work with your local community too, but you can have a hybrid program that like, brings these different people who would love to get out of, of whatever course. like place has them trapped permanently mm-hmm. and not able to move mm-hmm. um so over the years with hotel art you guys have worked with lots of like people who both at the time and now have really kind of like become very well known like mm-hmm. i mean the roster's long but it's like bunny rogers john raffman katya novitskova uh andrew nirmigrud ruchin <laughs> brad adaya tremel yeah. um so these are people oftentimes with like gallery representation sometimes museum sure. shows so mm-hmm. what do you think the appeal is of doing a show with hotel art is it that they get to do something that's kind of outside the box that's like the risk is lower because there's not an expectation of a gallery that's like well i gotta sell this thing like they get to do something kind of playful right who yeah, knows? I don't, I don't know. know why they do shows with us. <laughs> <laughs> well, they probably trust you guys, too. And they know that you yeah. like... I mean, they can look at the history in the roster and be like, oh, you sure. guys have good taste and like you actually care and you really do this thing. But yeah. I'm always curious about that because I know that there's some politics involved in that just in terms of like that person's uh, market or something. Yeah. Is. I mean, I think part of it is when we started out, it was kind of like just the right time. Like we when we proposed even for our first show, like what this project was... You know, like Bunny Rogers was in that first show, and it's very possible that maybe she just hadn't really got a proposal like that before, uh-huh. where it was mm-hmm. like, we're going to like rent out this crappy room at Bushwick Hotel. Um, so I think we were kind of lucky that our first few shows did have some of these people that had, mm-hmm. you know, we had like Amalia Oman, we had Daniel Keller, we had these people that like, then from then on, you know, that kind of like gives us enough cred when we're asking other artists yeah. to be like, oh, these people did it, then like I should probably do it too. I guess I'm yeah. curious too if they, because some of those people now, it's like I, 
Like, do you have to go through their gallery to even yeah, add? Or do they just sort of like on the to, slide, just like, well, I'm doing this thing. I think some of them, if they are represented, need their gallery needs to either have like you go in contract with their gallery yeah. or they need a proposal to make sure that like they're comfortable mm. with their estate being. Yeah. Raised. We try I mean, to like <laughs> avoid now, I think, sometimes people with representation just yeah. because can be time restraints. Kind of yeah. yeah, it's just not. What's weird, though, is that we never had a problem. Like, nobody ever turned us down in the very beginning. Uh And now it's become a lot harder with artists who are seemingly, like, much less sort of, like, publicly known. And I don't know if that's just kind of, Mm. like, the landscape is changing. And so that, I don't know. Uh, you mean like they're ga- afraid to show too much? Or I don't think you- it's the artists. I think it's the galleries now oh. are becoming so protective. Yeah, 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 yeah. And they're so scared of losing their yeah, artists yeah, yeah. that they're being just like really stingy. And yeah. I think that when we first started, it was just <laughs> like they didn't care. Go. They're like, like they're gonna hotel, go hotel art. They're not. Art yeah, it's like they're not a threat. We don't care if you're like <laughs> right, showing right. in some hotel. Like yeah. who cares? Um, but I think that in the beginning, the fact that we were asking people who we literally just were like fans of and didn't even know in person had no relationship with just like liked their work and they said yes that was like a huge sort of like boost of confidence i think Mm -hmm. that we were just like kind of realized that like you can kind of do anything you want to do like it's i don't know it was very sort of like inspiring to us that we could just like do this i think or just like reaching out to someone like can have and great results sometimes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I feel like I talk to like undergrads about that if I visit yeah. a school or something. I'm always like, you'd be surprised how many people actually will respond. If yeah. you're like, totally. And most people around our age who are artists, like um, even if they do have a gallery, they do. I know it's like it used to not be okay, but now people have their own website, which mm-hmm. is fine. Sure. And they usually have a contact on it. And like mm-hmm. I try to tell people too, like you don't realize how much that person doesn't get like an actual substantive message from somebody that explains why their work is important to them mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. they have friends and they have hanger-ons and they have a gallery and they have blah 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 but yeah if like somebody sends you a message and it's like hey i was really moved by this piece because i'm thinking about these things or whatever, most people will be like really you thought mm-hmm. jesus thanks <laughs> man like yeah so yeah who right? doesn't love getting those emails yeah were those in the early days of like when people would do, like i remember at one point i jumped from like 500 to like 3500 facebook friends for no reason because every fucking artist in the world yeah. was on there just being like boom boom and i was like and i didn't know i couldn't yeah. read half the names and yeah. i was like i don't know who these fucking people are <laughs> yeah it was very 2012 2013 yeah i, I remember that. mike peppy tweeted a little while ago that um i don't know how you say it the the marvel movie thor ragnarok whatever he was like like one of these sure. superhero movies that came out he's like thor ragnarok sounds like uh, an artist who would have sent me a facebook friend request in like 2012 or something and i was like so fuck true. that was like half yeah. my friends listen i was like who are these people because i'd be like drunk and just like yeah sure or then would be like add this person and be like sure i'll add yep. them and they're like you have a 700 mutual friends and i was like yep. of course we're in the network but yeah no yeah. that's really funny but it's it's funny to think too that now it's a little bit different that but I think galleries are responding in uh, out of clearly like a not I'm not talking any shit but clearly out of a little bit of desperation because they're just yeah, like fuck probably. this could be I don't want to share this person yeah. because they might be the whatever because yeah it just kind of sucks it does suck it I mean it limits it limits the artist opportunities for yeah. sure but I also feel the sentiment like I yeah you know even it's hard not to sometimes think about like how we how we were showing people early on in hotel art that you know had we tried to like sell the work or something mm-hmm. um 
you know, we, but I don't know. I don't, I don't really feel strongly that way, but yeah, no, I understand. You but, might look back and be like, fuck, we could have, sure. you know, like if you but held like, on, I, you know, the thing I almost is, feel is like, like, oh, I wish I would have kept we, that piece. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, I feel this yeah. <laughs> we had like a Brad Trammell, like fish thing in our yeah. freezer for a while sure. that didn't last yeah, too, the, we, too long. I, I feel like we like brought it around a bunch of areas and took photos of it before the actual install. <laughs> we like put it in a fence, uh-huh. put it by the garbage. Mm. But, but going back, you were saying like, you know, this is something you tell to undergrads. Um, and we actually kind of built, so we're teaching a class. Oh yeah. yeah. You're going to um, do something at Pratt, right? At, in the we fall. Are. Talk to me about class. it. Love yeah. pedagogy, baby. Sure. Lay, lay some it's, art ed on It's it. really based. It's like really based on like kind of what we're talking about yeah. with like, mm-hmm. um, you know, I think I, we both went to Pratt obviously, and there was so much obviously. talk about. Obviously, I hate how much we're, talking. we're not like uh, like Lodi Abrams went to Pratt. Nice to meet you. Like not how I really comma identify Pratt, myself. MFA in your email signature. Oh my god, the worst. Well, anyway, like, sorry, like but the you. class. So it's so, about these topics. So yeah, so. I mean, it's really about our experience being in school and having yeah, our yeah. our professors be talking so much about our work in the studio uh-huh. and no conversation about like anything outside the studio yeah. like how to get your work outside of the studio how to mm. like meet people outside of your studio it's like, you like earlier, about this community yeah it's like yeah. we're in new york there's like yeah. so many people to get in touch with and mm-hmm. be you know be part of something so the class is really like kind of forcing <laughs> forcing students to to reach out to people um outside of pratt to organize shows or collaborate on works mm-hmm. um so it's kind of like the curriculum that art schools are doing called professional practice except useful sure yeah hopefully. I, I, yeah. Took, hope so. I took a professional practice class yeah. at pratt and they told us to print out business cards and go to the gallery, go to the gallery. <laughs> no no don't go to the gallery yeah <laughs> set print out like wow. pictures of your work and put them in the mail mm. and email them to the gallery this was like three years ago yeah. this is fucking crazy they're Horrible. probably still teaching That's this terrible, probably like i'm sure they are that's a terrible idea yeah it's so terrible I That's mean, I think you need to, like, maybe Pratt is trying to do better in no, these new cor- courses. Well, if that you're they're... putting this course together for it, yeah. it sounds yeah, like Yeah, so, it's a but... whole new program that's called, like, integrative courses. So okay. they're trying to, like, cro- make cross disciplines between all the programs at Pratt. So, like, architecture students can take this, you know, industrial design students. So it isn't really generated just towards contemporary art. Sure. Although, like, that's our main audience. But so we had to, like, specifically title the show after the internet, the artist, the designer, the, class. the public. Yeah, 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 the class. So you gotta get outside of your you gotta get outside of your gallerist brain. You're going into the academy, my boy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, so it's called after the internet? After the internet, the artist, the designer, and the public. Cool. So they kind of I think they wanted us to title it in a way to not push other people away from taking it. Right, know? yeah. So non artists can of course That's take cool. The class. But it make, I mean what a it, it sounds funny, but what a useful thing that it took, I guess, just kind of like learning outside of just through socialization or hanging out with people or, mm-hmm. or finding out like, oh, if you go to this opening, these people are nice who run this gallery. Mm-hmm. This, but yeah. like, but to have people come into a school setting and kind of tell you like, hey, this is like, here's some like practical, realistic ways to reach out to people. Like this yeah. is a respectful way to like send an email and tell somebody mm-hmm. that you're hyped on their stuff. And what is like... What is asking a reasonable thing and what is like you trying to get free labor from somebody yeah. or like, but just to point these things out, like what did, I don't know, like, I guess, I don't know why it just seems like schools are kind of behind on that. So I'm glad that you're doing it because yeah. 
I would have fucking loved that in undergrad if somebody were like, sure. hey, this is how it works. Because I, when I finished undergrad, I feel like I also thought like, oh, you bring a portfolio mm-hmm. and you go up to the gallery and you say, hello, sir, can I talk to the curator? <laughs> and they're like, the who? You're like, Mr. The, curator. The you curator the of the gallery. And they're like, we, that's not a job here. Not, like, we don't have one of those. <laughs> you're just like, what? Whoa. Like, well, I'll show you anyway. Yeah, yeah. It's like, you know, it's like graduate national portfolio. You're like, in this one, I was really trying to be like, well, this one is a print. I printed this off my computer because the other piece. <laughs> but no that's that's exciting i think it's i don't know and it i hope that i mean i know that if you come let's say you're an undergrad and come to school at pratt or something Mm -hmm. like that the the idea is like this is my reason to move to new york and i'm going to stick around but i'm like a big proponent as of late of people thinking about like hey it's okay to be an artist somewhere else like Mm -hmm. if you're from blah 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 and you come to new york and you go to school awesome you can move back there and totally do something interesting yeah um i wrote like a thing for Artnet news a little while ago that was just about spaces that yeah. were doing stuff like that, like Sadie Halley that used to be mm-hmm. here. Yep. Did you guys do something with them? We we, we did actually, actually hotel art and our own. Work. Yeah, we had a we did a solo show in their space Minneapolis, in Minneapolis. Space. In Minneapolis, but we okay. also hosted like yeah a hotel art show. show. Yeah, yeah, because they used to Those be in, they great. were in Sunset Park yeah for a while yeah and then they moved to Minneapolis and I was just like that's like. I love that narrative, though. They're yeah. just like, yeah, mm-hmm. we had this alt space in New York, and we moved to Minneapolis. Yep. And when I interviewed them, they were just like, the kind of cool thing was when we moved to Minneapolis and we reopened, all of these other spaces reached out to us. Mm-hmm. We're like, hey, welcome to town. Like, this mm-hmm. is cool. Thanks for doing this. Totally. As opposed to, like, in other places, people might be like, what the fuck are you doing here? Yeah. Like, you know? yeah. But, yeah, that's, that's exciting that... to have a curriculum that just some of those ideas, a place to talk about that, because yeah. mm-hmm. it doesn't seem like there's space for that. It's I really think... myopic in art school that competition that you're talking about too is part of MFA culture in this way yeah. where like even like like one of our um Kyung Mi an artist we showed with Nada was talking about how like at Yale like so many of her pre- professors were like competitive even with her and the students yeah. like not only are students competing with each other but like your teachers are also like kind of jealous of you and mm-hmm. all this weird stuff going on and I think what's important for for people to keep in mind is that like like other artists are kind of your best bet even if you're thinking even if you're thinking purely as like a careerist like okay like what's the best way to like build my brand as an artist like even if you're like that much in the zone of like professional practices like realistically just like be friends with other artists yeah and it's kind of like just don't be a shithead don't be a shithead (laughs) be like a decent person and i you know and i think that like at pratt it was never about like collaboration or like meeting other artists it was all mm-hmm. about like make sure you write down your name in the book when you go to the gagosian yeah. opening you know yeah. like like you're shooting for these like big things when like yeah. really it's just like just like find your people like yeah, find your community totally. like that's funny you know I, I write my name in the book but only if i like know the person yeah. who showed is that they're like hey you came mm-hmm. and i'm just like hi nice job well i don't write nice job because i think it's weird when people write a message <laughs> or something like that but yeah that's funny i wonder if uh yeah, it is unfortunate that there's, I don't know. And the other thing is, like, just to be real, like, if you're a fucking MFA student, like, if you're in a class of 15 that's graduating, like, the odds of even one of you yeah. getting gallery representation is probably two out of 100 yeah. for one mm-hmm. of you. Yeah. <laughs> so well, just, like, very... maybe, enjoy the, maybe enjoy the community that you yeah. fostered, and, like, maybe that's why you're doing it. Mm-hmm. Like, totally. I just talked at Columbia a little while ago to these MFA students, 
and they were just straight up like asking they're like how do you like what do you do when you graduate how do you get a blah, blah, blah? and i was just like i don't i don't have a gallery like are you kidding me like yeah. i don't know i was like yeah. what are you talking about totally. i was just like it uh, i don't know you can be highly you can have a lot of social or cultural capital and still be fucking broke it doesn't yeah these aren't like uh I don't know. In I, other words, get out now. Yeah, one kid was like, what would you tell an artist who just graduated from Columbia MFA with a lot of debt? And I literally said, move to Missoula, Montana. Nice. <laughs> That's what I told yeah. But I was like, I don't know, it sounds cool. Start like, a cult, move yeah. to Montana. Dude, start a sex cult. Totally. Like, sounds great. Yeah. Make it a nonprofit. Yeah. You could take donations. You can mm-hmm. write it off. Mm-hmm. Eventually, they will make a documentary about you. You will live on an infamy. And boom, there yep. you go. You'll be way more important than any artist. Yeah. Why or maybe that phone? will help you like boost your like painting career oh yeah cult leader yeah i mean it might have to be after you die but your paintings would be like sought after albeit perhaps ironically but you would yeah you definitely have like some notoriety in a market um cool well we're gonna take a quick break and then uh, i'll be right back with more loni and johnny I don't think there's ever been a conversation around art in hospitality in this way. And for me, it's a conversation I wanted to have for over a decade because, you know, city municipalities have a certain percent for art that they require of corporations or public entities. We don't have anything like that for developers. Um, in New York. San Francisco has it, LA has it, a lot of cities on the West Coast have it, some cities throughout the country have it. Um, There's a percent for art program for new building generally in New York, but it's not specifically for hotel developers. Okay, uh, we're back. This is Human the Abject. I'm here with Loni and Johnny of Hotel Art and also their collaborative studio practice and lives. They're, They're not just they're not just an itinerary gallery program. Uh, we're back here. We're gonna. We have a new game this week. It's called "What is the critical question that this sculpture is posing?" And uh, this is a guest-specific game. As curators and um, sort of tastemakers, I wanted to describe a, a handful of hypothetical sculptures, and then you, as uh, gallerists, curators, you tell me what is the critical question that the uh, sculpture is posing. You can ask me questions about the uh the construction of it or the materials sure. or things like that further but um conceptually i can't give you any more information than what what is described um okay so the first one is a clear backpack filled with water rocks plant life and fish that is very much a functioning aquarium except somebody could hypothetically wear it but they can't because it's a sculpture <laughs> What what critical question do you think that this work of art might be posing? Mm-hmm. Maybe it's like, um, why would anyone do this? <laughs> yeah, that's a, that most sculpture, I feel like. <laughs> sure. yeah. um, okay, here we go. A, <clears throat> a purple-tinted plaster cast of a bushel of bananas hanging from a disco ball motor. Uh, rotating over a five-gallon classic orange Home Depot bucket filled with vintage, meaning caffeinated, Four loco. Uh Floating in the Four loco is an officially licensed children's-sized Portland Timbers soccer ball. Speakers are mounted on either side of the exhibition space playing Terrence McKenna's definitive UFO talk. Pitch shifted down one octave. There is a webcam that may or may not be live-streaming the space. I think I've seen that one. <laughs> I think it's more of like, I look at contemporary art daily way too much type of sculpture. Like, you know, 
they just look at art blogs and copy it, I think. I don't really know what that thing's about. Do you think it's a critique of those or sort of like a slight... Like no, a I don't think it's a critique of those, unfortunately. <laughs> I wish it was. I think it's someone trying to generate work for those things, you know? Mm-hmm. So the, the question I might be asking was, um, will you post this? Will <laughs> you post okay, yeah. this? Yes, it's grammable. It, it what is. What the... hashtag should I use <laughs> Yeah, the... describe this? I suppose the issue would be that because of the Terrence McKenna playing, um, it may require a video, which um, is harder to get engagement with on Instagram. Um, Mm. Okay. uh, A printed out PDF of the full 9-11 commission report uh, in Futura bold italicized spiral bound with an Ethernet cable sitting on top of a 1 to 20 scale replica of a 2011 Tesla Roadster. Uh, the Tesla's license plate is missing, but in its place, a small laminated rectangular photo of former White House Press Secretary Sean Spicer uh, in corpse paint. Uh, the sculpture is only viewable by appointment, and the online doodle calendar planning uh, clone is accessible exclusively via the Tor browser on the dark web. But when someone tries to make an appointment to see the piece, they're immediately doxxed on the Cometown Podcast subreddit. <laughs> Okay, ten Ugh, lot jet fuel melt steel steel beams. <laughs> sure. Yes. Yes. <laughs> oh uh, okay. Um, an entirely earnest recreation of one of Mike Kelly's extracurricular projective reconstruction sculptures from Day Is Done. Um, the only difference is that the video that's playing is an advanced critic screening copy of Freddie Got Fingered. <laughs> What what was Ken? it? What was it again? It's it's one of Mike Kelly's Day Is Done installations, mm. but instead of the video from Day Is Done, it's just Freddie Got Fingered. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah Ken the Day Be Done. Sure. <laughs> okay. Um, just where, like a, where are these coming from? Did you make these this? This is Sean's sure. head. Yeah. <laughs> um, just like a. Th- this is really just like Sean wanting to like. <laughs> I can't. These won't say fit into, um, These won't fit into tweets. Uh, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Um, okay, just like a thousand motorcycles jumping back and forth across the Grand Canyon from 11.45 p.m. on December 31st until 12.15 a.m. on January 1st, um, but there's no documentation of it. Just <laughs> motorcycles jumping back and forth, like a thousand of them. <laughs> uh, like, do we have an insurance policy? Can I be evil Knievel for a day? Mm-hmm. Sounds Daredevil. Ooh, maybe it's about bad boy art. Maybe. Yeah, like a bit of a bit of bad boy art. Um, okay, a zoo, uh, but people are in the cages, and the animals work there. But the animals, the different animals, don't have the jobs that you like think that that animal would have at the zoo. <laughs> um. Oh my god. Um, it, I feel like this has to be like a. Uh, is post capitalism the um oh fuck what's the capitalist realism yeah the question is just capitalist realism <laughs> it's just an it's a mark fisher book <laughs> i thought it was more like are we animals yeah are, are we the same as them who's tending here? to whom <laughs> Uh, I this think is, we're really bad at this game. We're really, we're bad, really at bad at this game. It's okay. Um, this isn't an entirely different idea, but uh, a respected art museum that's run by babies <laughs> called the Gugu Gagenheim. <laughs> oh my god. I think it's just pretty obvious. That's a... Wait, that was it? That mm. was it. See, that yeah. could have been a tweet, John. <laughs> yeah, that totally could have been a tweet. 
I feel like it's sort of asking... Or it's a reality, I think. Yeah, I feel like it's asking questions about uh, art administrators. Sure. And their, whether they have a real relationship to the work or if they're just sort just of... Just want like, some boobs in their mouth. Yeah, yeah. They just want to suckle the teat mm-hmm. of uh, donor capital. Um, I think this is proving that me and you aren't really curators. <laughs> we just put some shows We've together. We've actually never like... thought about an artwork ever yeah. before. Well, you're just artists, so you like look at something and you're just like, I guess that's what they wanted sure. to make, and then keep that moving again. Works. I don't think artists really like stare at people's stuff and go, hmm, oh, I get the like. I don't. I mean, I just look at something and I'm like, that's fucking weird. I, uh, mm-hmm. I glad should, you're a freak. Thumbs but, up yeah. or thumbs down. <laughs> Uh, two animatronic dancing sculptures like that Jordan Wolfson one, um, okay. except uh, it's a sexy Frodo and a sexy Samwise mm. um, on the Staten Island Ferry. Ooh. Ooh, okay. I mean, sex bots are a thing. Why not make it part of Lord of the Rings, I guess, right? Yeah. I mean, it's kind <laughs> of... I don't of, know yeah. why going to Staten Island, though, but maybe uh, to meet up with some of the Jersey Shore people. Yeah. I was thinking it was sort of like a, I mean, Staten Island's full of cops. Ooh. I thought maybe it was like a dig at the, um, sort of like the police industrial complex, military <laughs> police industrial complex. Um, a Dwayne Hansen level realistic sculpture of the band Fugazi sure. on a stage performing. Um, so it's sort of like, you know, like a, like a starting lineup, those like little dolls of baseball play, like that, but a Fugazi, but life size. Um, beside them is a vinyl wall text didactic that is explaining that it's a recreation of a still image from a bootleg live show VHS tape that the artist procured from a friend sometime between the release of 13 songs and repeater when Fugazi covered UB40's Red Red Wine live. Can you read that? <laughs> Just kidding. I missed like the the last half. I'm starting to zone out a little bit. It's basically it's a it's a sculpture of Fugazi covering Red Red Wine live. Sure. Oh my god. I mean that that happened or no? I think this is real thing, Sean. You're just like getting really lazy with these. You can't just describe things that exist in real life. Okay, a geodesic dome made entirely out of 311 LPs. And each LP has a stenciled, like, spray-painted DSA rose emoji on it. Um, And when you go inside the dome, someone who just moved to New York is screaming at you for not taking the Spring Break art show seriously enough. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, it's like most 33-year-old artists in New York. They always talk about, like, the alternative 90s, I feel like. (laughs) And Spring Break art show might be sort of like the music of the 90s. Very alternative Ooh, you know, wait pretty, a second. Very colorful. I didn't think about this when I was putting it together, but uh, the names of the folks who run the Spring Break Art Show are Andy and... I don't know. Amber sure. is the color of your energy. <laughs> oh, whoa, God. whoa. Oh, God. Yeah, there, there we go. That might be Uh-oh. a subconscious thing. Okay, last one. Uh, this is the last one of uh, this highly successful game. What is the critical <laughs> question that the sculpture <laughs> is posing? Uh, the last one is a sweet horse. Oh, a sweet horse being candy or an actual just like really nice horse? I mean, so these are those are more like conceptual questions. So you could ask about materials, as I mentioned. What's it made out of? Sort of like uh, it looks like petrified wood or driftwood or bones, (laughs) um, but it's actually cast metal. So it kind of looks like a skeleton horse, but not terribly scary. 
Perhaps um, made by an artist from Montana. Oh. Mm. Am I Johnny's dad? Yes. Does your dad make work that looks like that? Kind of, kind of sort of. Mm-hmm. I, I think was, it's a good representation of what it makes. Interesting. I was thinking of Deborah Butterfield. I'm not sure if you know her work, <laughs> but if you've ever been to an airport, you do. <laughs> it's sort of feeling you're leaving the airport and there's like horse skeleton yeah. things outside. Those are hers. Ah. She's from Montana. Mm. I think like Bozeman. Oh. And Makes I sense. think she must be just wildly rich. Yeah, sometimes those public art gigs are the way to go. That's what I want to do is get a sculpture practice going that's just like yeah. replicable sure. and can be put outside of airports. <laughs> I think that would be would be very fun. Um, so moving on from our game, uh, <laughs> I did want to talk a little bit uh, as we're rounding out here about some of the stuff that's been going on in the studio lately since we've talked about the things you do for other artists. Mm-hmm. But you've been doing some things for yourselves. Yeah. And I know you did a show in Miami mm-hmm. uh, at a botanical garden. Yeah. What was up with that? Talk to me. Lay it on me. Was... So I don't know if you know Pretty Days. Um, I don't know if I do. What's that? It's run by Gregory Clichy and Harry Gould Harvey the Fourth. Mm. Am I right? Is that uh, his name? Sure. It's really long. Yeah. Yeah. It's okay. So they... They have this cool project where they do um, shows in... They started off doing shows in grow tents. Mm-hmm. So they could just like put the grow tent anywhere oh, and host yeah. a show. Like for plants, like just a mm-hmm. pop-up. Yeah. Thing. Whoa. Mm-hmm. Um, I like that. So they teamed up with BFI, which is a Miami-based... It stands for Bass Fisher Invitational. Okay. Um, and also Anna Frost, who's a curator. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, I met her. Yeah. Yeah. So... They sort of organized this Miami-based Pretty Days sort of like, I don't know, three or four shows in a yeah. row. So they asked us to do that. We um, they, we actually have to give them credit for finding this like amazing botanical yeah. garden. They like drove all over Miami looking for we, – we were looking for some kind of like – I mean, yeah, some kind of botanical garden or like – somewhere where a mix of like nature and design and you know the human Mm -hmm. made sort of like combine um but for that show we were thinking i mean in in general we're thinking a lot about these farmers these fictional pharmaceutical companies we're thinking Mm about um using CRISPR as a way to talk about how we can think about design designing the human body and what's CRISPR so CRISPR is a gene editing tool that's been around I think since like for a while like since 2005 or something no I think it's like 2012 okay maybe fairly new does it have an ER or just an R at the just end? an R, R. oh so ooh. so it's also yeah. sometimes yeah C-R-I-S-P-R okay it stands for something really crazy that yeah. I'm not gonna be able to remember but basically it's a gene editing tool um, that can change a human or really any species DNA. Like by... a living one? Yeah. Like, I'm sorry, that's so, a very uh, stupid question. <laughs> yeah. Living DNA? <laughs> yes, definitely living DNA. But actually, so so what, what's making it like really newsworthy these days is that they've also figured out how to not only change like your DNA as a living person, mm-hmm. but actually um, the DNA of an embryo. Yeah. So you can okay. genetif- genetically modify a human obviously without their consent before they're born. You can make like a super baby. You can make a super baby that is then also going to pass those genes down to the next generation. So there are all of these like obviously very, very big ethical questions and concerns Mm -hmm. that are happening about like, you know, is this the beginning of like 
a super race designer babies design yeah, so like not only like not only could people you know choose what color eyes and hair and skin they mm-hmm. want their babies to have mm-hmm. um which obviously like eth- like ethnic cleansing is a concern yeah, yeah, yeah. um but also like how could we kind of actually make ourselves superheroes by yeah. um cuz not only can you can you alter your dna to say um prevent genetic diseases which is really what they're doing right now with research to Mm -hmm. to prevent um genetic disease but also you can take dna from if you know like the genome like the genome sequence of an animal and you know like let's say um i'm just like making this up but like we can figure out which dna sequence in spiders is responsible for like spinning webs okay you could put that dna into a human i mean this is where like the idea of spider-man comes from i'm just thinking of spider-man but um like theoretically that is or could could be very possible weird Um, man so yeah and i mean this is sort of like part of this larger sort of like transhumanist like Mm -hmm. conversation about using science and biotech and synthetic biology to like create humans that are biologically superior than what we now know as the human yeah um but also this sort of like transhumanist conversation is very like tech bro-y yeah yeah um very like masculine Mm -hmm. we i i I usually don't like to use that word to like describe like our our work or what we're thinking about because we're really coming from it um in a way to get us to a place where we're thinking about like um current like gender roles in a a lot of ways Mm -hmm. so for example in this show um we had these these like uv prints on handmade paper that were fictional pharmaceutical ads that you might see in like a magazine for CRISPR technology for like medicine that yeah would use CRISPR technology and one of them is like called elephantax and the idea is that it takes dna from an elephant um the dna responsible for make for uh causing them to go through menopause really late in life Mm -hmm. like elephants don't go through Mm -hmm. menopause till they're like 90 or something um so you know the like copy is like um like don't choose between your career and having a child like wait till after retirement to get pregnant and it's this really creepy image of this like 90 year old wrinkly pregnant woman (laughs) and obviously like we're not proposing that like this is a thing like i don't Mm -hmm. think any 90 year old wants to be pregnant Mm -hmm. it's more just like Let's think about like how maybe um, how like our biology has so like has everything to do with um, I mean, in this case, this is clearly like subjugation of women and like the the sort of like career versus motherhood Mm -hmm. sort of like thing. Um, But yeah, so that's sort of like the gist, you know, and we had some more we had like a more abstract sculpture that was like um combining some actual plants and some like silicone like skin like plants and kind of just thinking about like the breakdown of boundaries between um like the like like actually thinking about like trans species Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um the breakdown of boundaries between like human and non-human and um the island of dr moreau yeah yeah but like more i feel like (laughs) we try to be a little more positive about like speculating some things and i most people are very um 
kind of negative about the future like oh robots are gonna take over yeah. and there's gonna be designer babies but i think we try to stay more on like the positive outcome of things and not really try to make the future look grim or bleak we want it to look a lot brighter and like more positive well there's a it seems like too that the it's funny to think about making work that um that critiques that stuff that i don't mean necessarily like mm -hmm. criticizes but that critiques it by engaging it or something because it's kind of um i'm trying to remember a recent conversation that i had but something about this idea of what's going to happen in the future and kind of like like if we can if we can um imagine these things right now like yeah. they're they're inevitabilities right exactly so like someone's gonna fucking do it like they just do yeah. these things so it's about like i think the idea of trying to be optimistic or responsible about it or like mm -hmm. get people thinking about it even if it's like an art community of people looking at it is to yeah. have that on people's minds so that yeah. people are sort of like prepared to try to steer these things in at least a slightly more responsible direction than they could yeah. possibly go because like i don't know the idea of uh genetically modifying babies so that people don't get hiv sounds like how wonderful great. like what a great right. thing for like communities mm -hmm. that have no access to like prep or any kind of like health care or anything like that like those seem like really wonderful outcomes yeah. um i mean i think too like it it's um it's not just it's about being it's not necessarily about being like optimistic or pessimistic as much as sort of using these like sort of futuristic scenarios to actually point backwards to like the current situation mm -hmm. and think about um like this other piece we're working on right now is a uh, it was inspired by this news story we saw of a like a lamb fetus inside of a um artificial, artificial womb. womb oh you sent me that it's like a yeah. vacuum womb mm -hmm. like it looks yeah. like a, it looks it looks like a brad sculpture yeah it's like a, <laughs> it looks like a, like a va yeah it looks like a vacuum sealed twitching mm -hmm. lamb yeah. fetus and like but anyway yeah. this idea was like i mean i think this technology they're working on to help like prematurely born babies so that they uh -huh. can be like kind of stuffed into this like artificial womb yeah. and kind of like gestate for a couple yeah. months longer or whatever but um where that also got us thinking of like well what if like women were no longer carrying the burden of like reproduction for mm -hmm. the entire like human race mm -hmm. like what if actually we could have um reproduction and um like what if we could have reproduction that was totally independent from the human body mm -hmm. and like have these like totally from like conception to birth like s artificial like exterior wombs mm -hmm. um, I, don't, I don't even know if it's a what if like it's it's happening they're, yeah they're like, like you know. researching it and so we're building an artificial artificial womb is pretty much what we're working on right well it now. seems like those things to point to those things though does i mean it loops back and it points now because as soon as you start to say like well what if we could remove the process of like carrying a child from like from uh, someone who has a uterus having to having to carry that or go through mm -hmm. it or what have you then immediately you know my brain in like the most cynical sense goes like oh my god well what like what are they going to do to like women mm -hmm. if they don't need them you know what are all oh, yeah but there's all these weird and i mean i guess that's why like speculative science fiction and weird things is so popular is because it it presents this future vision that like reflects back on now yeah and so you kind of look and you go oh and try to be conscious and maybe like how am i navigating this stuff or to be a little bit more responsible with it mm -hmm. which is an interesting way to be like yeah i think you guys are right it's like is it 
optimism? Is it cynicism? Is this, but maybe it's just like a generative conversation Mm -hmm. instead of a, instead of purely reactive. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Cause it'd be really easy to just be like, fuck this. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But I mean, it's gonna, it's like you're saying it's, if it's inevitable. (laughs) Yeah. It's like, you want to be, you want to know where you stand on it and you, and you know, I I think it's like not a bad thing to ask ourselves, like, what are the pros and cons of this sort of thing? Like Mm -hmm. it, it would wouldn't it be great if like anyone could have babies regardless of whether they were in a a couple that had a woman in it sure. or like were fertile or not or mm-hmm. whatever it is that but is. also like wouldn't it be crazy if like cr- like weird single men could just be like growing babies in their basements <laughs> <laughs> you know but like i mean i don't think it's, weird i think that's awesome <laughs> <laughs> but it's an interesting thing though to think about remove i mean it would be a really there's a potential for it to be a hyper progressive interesting social jump by completely removing this like religiously like hinged debate about like what is biology and what is the proper way to like be able to procreate i mean it could be there's a potential for it to be like extremely interesting by allowing people no matter what their gender or sexual identity or anything to be like i can participate in like parenthood because i think it's important and and i have a right to do that and it would just remove all of that bullshit like kind of like well this is what god intended Mm -hmm. and you're not god god you're Mm -hmm. you know so yeah really interesting potential but at the same time too it could also be like well who can afford to have a baby now that you get like mm-hmm. yeah. now that you get murdered if you get actual pregnant mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah i don't think we're saying like there's you know I, it, it, more of an option you know it's, you could still have a natural birth or you could grow your baby in your kitchen it's also or... just like getting into a mindset um Something we, I forget like where we, if we read this or like saw it, but like something about the, um, how the space age, like in the late 50s, 60s, like when we first put, like when Sputnik went up and then we like first put the man Mm -hmm. on the moon, there's like this, I mean, and mate, this is also, I guess, just like modernism, but like this optimistic, like everyone just feeling so pumped about like what humans were capable of Mm. and just so pumped about like, like humanity and yeah. feeling so optimistic about the future like we were capable of doing anything mm-hmm. and like we progress 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 and like um that also was around the same time when like this huge cultural revolution came about and like civil rights became a thing and like people were getting individual rights and like you know that kind of just like one sort of scientific breakthrough kind of paved the way for like people to start using their imaginations to be able to envision alternative realities yeah and that's kind of like that's really what we're getting after it's like Mm -hmm. we get really specific about certain technologies or Mm -hmm. certain like medical breakthroughs or things like that but really it's about these bigger sort of like questions about how to kind of like open up to be able to envision and imagine a reality that's different than our own um that starts with some kind of like technological advancement yeah um and so like what is like what is like our times like man on the moon you know like what is the thing gonna be to kind of like and i feel like I Maybe think CRISPR, is... you know, automation, all those things are in that realm. It's yeah, really, AI, yeah. It's really poignant, though, because that's the, I mean, isn't that the toughest thing to, like, especially under, like, late capitalism, is to be able to conceptualize any alternative versus just a, mod- a minor mm-hmm. modification to this mm-hmm. uh, structure that oppresses so many people, to be able to imagine that there's a parallel reality that could happen yeah. is 
I think necessary or people will yeah. it's what's so debilitating about it right sure. right you can't conceive of something being different but yeah when these things when something happens that you're kind of thinking how the fuck did someone accomplish that it even if it's a residual thing there's kind of yeah culturally it can start to be mm-hmm. oh well what else is possible mm-hmm. um so yeah there's some value in that for sure that I think that's the generative part mm-hmm. yeah, as opposed to just being like let's not fucking keep doing these things mm-hmm. um well, cool. Thank you both so much for coming by. I know that you've got days to get to and things to Life, do. You know? um, but it was, yes, yeah, so it was wonderful to have you both over. I'm Thanks glad for that we got so to talk. Much. Yeah. Um, and to everybody out there in listener land, thank you so much and uh, catch you next week. Mm-hmm.